Welcome to the Men of Iron Podcast, equipping men for growth in your faith, family, friends, fitness, and finances. Check out menofiron.org to learn more about how you can get involved in or support the vision of changing a culture one man at a time. Thanks for listening. Here's your host, Chad Zook. How do you handle conflict? I mean, conflict, I mean relational conflict. You get into an argument with your wife, you get irritated with your boss, you get frustrated with your kids. Maybe there's a a person who's around you that just annoys you and it just makes your blood boil. How do you respond in those moments? How does your body automatically respond once you get agitated? This is episode 84 of the Men of Iron podcast and my name is Chad Zook. And in this podcast episode, we're talking about de-escalation and how to de-escalate ourselves in the middle of relational conflict. Gentlemen, at the end of this podcast, if you'd like to see an in-depth list of the show notes, you can go to menofiron.org slash media slash podcast. That's menofiron.org slash media slash podcast. And if you'd like to receive our weekly email blast that we call the Men of Iron Minute, shoot me an email at chad at menofiron.org. That's chad at menofiron.org. You'll be able to see not only the email blast, but also other posts about podcasts or those types of things that we have coming out to help you. Again, that's chad at menofiron.org or menofiron.org slash media slash podcast. Let's get started. So a few months ago, I was running in my neighborhood. It was early morning. It was actually still dark. My neighborhood is super chill and calm at that time of day. I turned a corner that I turned many times, and out of nowhere, a dog comes charging at me. I mean, just full bore. The dog's a medium-sized dog. He's super aggressive, and I have been bitten before, so that's kind of a big deal, and I don't want to be bitten again by another dog. So I just want to tell you what happened in that moment as he came around and he started to try and nip at me. My body automatically responded. My heart rate spiked. I could feel a sudden surge of adrenaline and it just felt like energy. My body tightened up. My pupils dilated, becoming aware of the threat and allowing a greater way of meeting that threat. I stood my ground. Never turn your back on a growling dog. I resisted the urge to try and run away. I was only a mile into my one into my run, so I probably could have gotten away from him with a quick burst. But instead, I wanted to have a show of force because this is my neighborhood, and I was going to run through that, that road again, and I'm probably going to see that dog again. So I wanted him to respect me next time I went through. So I stopped. I gave him a show of force. I yelled at him. I got his attention. I, I stared him down, and after a few charges... He ended up running away. This internal mechanism is inside of your body and it's designed to save your life. In more primal days of our existence, this is what was needed to make sure that the hunter didn't become the hunted. You see, the same type of thing happens when you're at work and a guy gets in your face because of a disagreement. Because what's happening at that moment is the same thing that was happening to me. Your body responds automatically. Your heart rate will spike. You'll have this sudden burst of energy, most likely, and if, if... You don't become aware of it. Your hands will just 
clench, your body will tighten up, your pupils will dilate, becoming more aware of the threat. All of this are internal or all of these are internal mechanisms that God has created that He's allowed you to have. And it's the same type of thing that happens when you get into an argument with your wife. Here's the problem. All of those things can happen even if there's not a real threat. Anytime that there's any sort of fight or flight response that we think is necessary, it happens. So how do you engage in that moment? How do you not just ignore it? How do you not become a jerk? How do you not become just aggressive in moments where you don't need to be aggressive? In this podcast, I'm not talking about if you have a a physical threat necessarily. If somebody pulls a knife or gun on you, okay, I'm not qualified. I'll have somebody else on the show later on to talk about that. I'm talking about the interpersonal skills and what it takes to de-escalate conflict as far as it depends on you. So you can think rationally and so you don't actually escalate the situation. And see, that fight or flight mechanism that we have is great. God's given us that, just like I'd said. But it's a faulty mechanism. Sometimes it misfires and where we think things are, are threats are actually not threats. Sometimes there's a real threat and then it's just, sometimes it's just a perceived threat that's actually not a threat. It's the same mechanism that happens with us relationally as that happened to us in the primal days that kept us alive. This term fight or flight, it represents the choices that our ancient ancestors had when faced with danger in their environment. They could either do the obvious, either fight or flee you know, flight. They could run away. In either case, the psychological and sociological response to stress prepares the body to react to the danger. In the 1920s, an American physiologist by the name of Walter Cannon was the first to describe this type of response. Cannon realized that a chain of rapidly occurring reactions happened inside the body and it helped the body to mobilize the body's natural resources to deal with threatening circumstances. It was really a groundbreaking thing. We've, we've been uncovering this and unearthing this ever since. This chain of reaction results in an increase in heart rate and blood pressure and your breathing rate. And after the threat is gone, it could take up to 20, 20 to 60 minutes for the body to return to the level it was before it met this threat or the perceived threat. You could probably think of a time when you experienced this for yourself, the fight or flight. When faced with something frightening, you can feel your heartbeat quicken and your, your breathing becomes faster, your entire body becomes more tense, and you become ready for action. Like there's just something within you that just wakes up. You see, the fight or flight mechanism or response, it can happen in the face of immediate physical danger, just as I talked about when you know a dog is like running you down and wanting to circle you and, and trying to, to take bites out of you. Or as a result of a psychological threat. Like it could be just you having to give a big presentation at work. Or you having to have a hard conversation at home. Or you coming in and your house is chaos. And you just come home from work and you're tired. But you're ill prepared for the chaos that you're going to find. And maybe it's a, a case that your wife comes in and she's in the kitchen or something. And the kids have been just crazy that day. And you just walk in and you're like, oh crap. Like something is going on here. And this also could cause the fight or flight where we just say we could just check out and run or we can just receive that as a threat against us instead of us being able to help in that situation. You see, there's a short in our, in our internal wiring. The Bible calls it sin or iniquity. 
We can be triggered without just cause. And we can trigger others without cause. This is just who we are. And unfortunately, there are things in, in the Bible that talks about self-control and, and de-escalation is one of the elements of self-control that is so valuable but yet so underutilized. So why do people escalate in the first place? I just have a, a list of things. And some of these may pertain to you today or in the past or the future. Or maybe it's just somebody around you. Maybe this message, uh, what you hear in this podcast, is something just to help another person in your home. Maybe they just need to track with it if it isn't you. Maybe you have this figured out. I'm not sure. But why do people escalate in the first place? Ultimately, it's because they don't feel safe. Because there's an underlying fear. Either it's a, a real threat or a perceived threat. It could be caused by past trauma. Maybe it's just your personality. Some people's personalities are just like so wired for conflict and then others are not. Maybe it's a family of origin issue. You see, unless you change how you grew up, it's how you're going to show up. So unless you change, unless you give that to God, unless you develop this skill of de-escalation and one of the elements of self-control, how you, how you grow up is how you show up. So we need to... We need to get this right. And another thing that, that causes people to escalate things is just being frustrated with life, maybe a sense of hopelessness. We've all struggled with, with these things, especially over the last year and a half. There's been so much uh, just, just grief and trauma and anger and unresolved issues and frustration with people we can't even talk to. Like This just is just so pent up in many of us. Maybe it's an environment that's just toxic. Maybe it's you feel like you're just not heard or appreciated. Maybe you, you're someone who is around verbal or physical abuse. And maybe it's just because you're around another person that shows signs of escalation and you're just kind of drug into it. Like you don't even want to, but you don't know how to deal with it on your own way. So you just kind of, you get involved in it. So that's why people escalate. And it's an incomplete list, but I think you, you, can, you can kind of grasp this. So what is escalation itself? I'll just really summarize it into two different things. So what is escalation? Escalation is this. It's competitive behavior when feeling unsafe or frustrated. Or it's combative behavior when feeling unsafe or frustrated. So A, it's competitive behavior when feeling unsafe or frustrated or combative behavior when feeling unsafe or frustrated. This is the reason why when you get into an argument, maybe with your kids or with your wife, and then you're just like, you have two competing ideas and you both think you're right, but yet there's maybe a layer of truth in either one of them, but yet you don't have the humility and because things have amped up and because maybe you have some, some other stuff going on, some of the things I just mentioned earlier, and you it just escalates and now it's you're competing because both of you want to be right. This could also trigger this, this behavior because you feel unsafe or frustrated. This is escalation or combative behavior. That's the one that's most obvious. You see, the Word of God tells us in Hebrews 12, 14, to strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See, that's an interesting idea. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness with, without which, or excuse me, without which no one else will see the Lord. So in other words, there's a connection here between the peace that we're to have with people and our holiness and the way that people see us. You see, uh, not to be holier than thou, that's not what we're talking about, but just this idea of being set apart for Christ. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're, you're to be living set apart. And one of the ways that we show that set-apartness, so to speak, is the way that we live and the way that we deal with conflict. So we should strive for peace with everyone. 
You see, again, I'm not talking about real combat training in this podcast, and I'm only talking about how to resolve personal conflict, mainly conflict within your family. So what can a man do to de-escalate a situation? Here's really the nuts and bolts, and we're going to spend some time on this. The first thing I think a guy needs to, to do is just ask himself, what is the perceived threat or issue? So what is the perceived threat or issue? So if you want to de-escalate a situation, ask yourself this, like in this moment, what is the perceived threat or issue? And then maybe a, a follow-up question to that. Is it real or is it just ego? Is it real? Is, there, is it a real perceived threat and issue? Or is it just my ego? Is, is, my, is my ego just responding here and then now is just escalating the situation? Again, we want to de-escalate. So you ask yourself those two questions. I think those are good. Another one is this, and this takes a little bit deeper work. I mean, this is the deep work, I think part of the deep work that Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, when he said, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. So examine yourself. Am I in the faith or am I, or am I responding by fear? Again, because the, the, the primary cause of, of escalation is, is a, it's a fear-based thing, like we're missing out or somebody's holding out on us or we're just angry and and all those other things we talked about earlier. So I think what we need to do to examine ourselves is we should learn our hot buttons. Is it because we just have a need to be right? Is it because we just need to please others? Is it because we have a need for control? Is it because we need to solve the problem? So it's up to us. We think we have to save this problem or solve this problem. Is it because we're just burnt out and tired? Is it because it's a power struggle and we just need to compete? Is this just because we have a tendency to blame others? Is this because you're just withholding a uh, you're just holding up a reputation that you think you need to have because you're a man? Of course I say that a little tongue in cheek, but it's pretty sad when you hear somebody when you hear a grown man excuse poor behavior by saying that he's a man almost in a way to justify his behavior. That's sad when men act like boys, but I've heard it and you probably have too. Or maybe it's because your hot button is this. You're being just like your fill-in-the-blank. You're being just like your fill-in-the-blank, and we are off to the races. If we're in Christ, the Apostle Paul says this, and this comes from 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh because we would lose. I added that part. But he continues, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We need to learn our hot buttons. What are our triggers? What are, what are the things after we examine ourselves, And then we need to go f- follow through with this and not to wage war with the flesh, but instead understand it's a spiritual battle and to help, uh, excuse me, to ask God to show us, to help us, to destroy these strongholds. So therefore, we can destroy all these arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and that we can take captive every thought to obey Christ. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 5-7 says something interesting following the line of how to de-escalate a situation, by the way. First thing I said was, ask yourself the two questions. What is the perceived threat or issue? Is it real or is it ego? Second one, learn your hot buttons. Is it fear-based or faith-based? 
Gave you two scriptures and a bunch of ideas for that. Second Peter has another connecting idea. Peter said this in Second Peter 1, 5 through 7. He says, For this reason, make every effort to supplement or add to your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness fastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Make every effort to add to, to supplement your faith with virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection. You see, what we're supposed to do is not to just sit in our faith and just say, oh, I'm a Christian and now I'm just going to heaven. Instead, we need to trust God with with every part of our being, and we need to even add to our faith the, these virtues and this knowledge and the self-control piece and the steadfastness piece and the godliness piece and the brotherly affection piece. So how can we do this? Let's continue on. Here's the third thing I would add to that. Remember that every human being deserves your, or excuse me, that every human being deserves dignity. Every human being deserves dignity. The fourth, I would add, is this. When you're in the middle of a situation that you know is going to bring conflict relationally, pay attention to where your hands are. Keep your hands still and breathe and keep your breathing regulated. Emotion and frustration are accelerators of confusion and misinformation. Think about this. Emotion and frustration are accelerators of confusion and misinformation. Let's take this even a step further. As you're keeping your hands still and you're breathing regulated, you're, you need to have a neutral facial expression. You need to stand up straight. You put your body towards the individual, not an aggressive posture, not leaning in like you're going to attack, but just standing up straight, but your body towards the individual, not in a passive way, but in a way that says, hey, I'm listening and I'm here. Don't pace back and forth. Don't fidget and don't shift your weight from foot to foot. All of these signs, excuse me, all of these are signs of being agitated. And because of that, you're going to agitate the other person and you're actually going to eat to escalate the situation. Get at eye level if you can and avoid any finger pointing. All of this has to do with regulating your body. Remember that the tone of your voice tells the story. The tone of your voice tells the story. I'll add to it in this way. Grace must be assumed if emotions are going to help resolve the conflict. Emotions are bad. They just need to be controlled. We need to control our emotions or we will be controlled by our emotions. And what I'm talking about is the emotion most likely known as anger. Grace must be assumed if emotions are going to help resolve the conflict. What we want to do is we want to gain control of these emotions. And by doing so, we can actually connect with the person on a, on a, uh, a solid relational basis through sympathy and empathy. This is where connections made. A way to do this, even practicing this today, is cold water exposure or ice baths. You see, the feeling that you get before you get into the bath or before you get into the cold water is, is something that your body will automatically 
it will automatically trigger the fight or flight mechanism. And by choosing to get in this cold water, have cold water exposure, what you can do is you can actually retrain your breathing and your heart rate and your ability to keep your composure. And you're controlling that because you, you, it's predictable. You know exactly what's going to happen. And the way that you respond going into that cold water exposure is the way that you currently respond when you handle conflict. Another helpful tip. Listen to the other person's point of view before injecting yours. Don't talk over them. You see, if you're right, you want to be heard. And if you're wrong, you need to know. So don't, don't talk over them. Listen to their point of view before you inject yours. Don't try to manage others' expectations. Just clearly explain yours when it's your time. Keep your conversation on topic. Let what happened in the past stay in the past. Keep yourself on his or her side of, of finding a solution to the problem. So put yourself on their side of finding a solution to the problem. This is the way you're going to come together. Align yourself with the person. So find a point of agreement. Cast yourself as an ally. Distance yourself from being a perceived authority because that creates distance. And what you want is relational nearness. Acknowledge a grain of truth, but don't be vague about it. If they say something that is just true, just a grain of truth, acknowledge it and say it out loud. And the last thing I would add is this. Act calm even if you don't feel calm. Act calm even if you don't feel calm. Sometimes you have to fake it. But you can still make eye contact. You can still uh, do this and have a neutral facial expression. You can still do this and take a deep breath to help relax your body and regulate your breathing. And you can still do this and keep all of your hand gestures to a minimum. Keep them to your side would be the very best thing that you can do. You see, we're all going to have conflict. And how we respond to it says a lot about us. And it also says a lot about how we handle things that, that trigger us emotionally. This played out very recently with my wife and I. We got into an argument and, and things started to, to spiral. They started to, it's not spiral, they started to escalate, escalate, escalate. I was trying to say spiral out of control, but it was starting to escalate. I'll keep the same analogy. As they're, they're starting to escalate, and then I, I caught myself, and I, I plateaued, I flattened myself out before I climbed that with her. And then after the conversation, she, she told me, she said, I, I just don't think you heard me. And I said, I heard you, but I knew that I couldn't respond in the same way that you were because we would have just basically got into an argument, and neither one of us would have, would, would have been able to talk reasonably. So I, as I started to have this conversation and conflict and it started to climb, I intentionally cut it off. I plateaued it and, and she went up a little bit, but yet there was still some confusion. She didn't feel like that I was listening to her, although I was, but I wasn't emotionally probably where I needed to be. So she thought that I was emotionally disconnected from her and I wasn't. I just wanted to de, to de-escalate my own emotion and to disconnect that fight-or-flight mechanism that I know that has faulty wiring. Gentlemen, I hope this conversation has been helpful to you. Again, 
go to the show notes. That's minofiron.org slash media slash podcast to get all the show notes. All of this is broken down. You can take notes. If you would like to know more about this, you can hit me up at chat at menoviron.org. Or if you want to receive our weekly email blast called the Men of Iron Minute, you can also hit me up at chat at menoviron.org. See you next week, guys. This Men of Iron podcast is brought to you by Men of Iron. If you're interested in getting involved in or supporting the vision of changing a culture one man at a time, or you simply want to know more about our Strong 27 mentorship experience, Equilibrium retreats, Anchor Man video series, or Men of Iron Plus, go to menofiron.org.